This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. Welcome to a very big day in American history. We are making together on the Blaze Radio Network, Excelsior. Dog, fat pig. Real quotes from Donald Trump about women. A person who is very flat-chested is very hard to be a 10. I'd look her right in that fat, ugly face of hers. Look at that face. Would anyone vote for that? She had the height. She had the beauty. She was crazy. But these are minor details. I like kids. I mean, I won't do anything to take care of them. I'll supply funds, and she'll take care of the kids. You know, it really doesn't matter what they write. As long as you've got a young and beautiful piece of That must be a pretty picture. You dropping to your knees. There was blood coming out of her eyes. Blood coming out of her... wherever. Women. You have to treat them like This is how Donald Trump talks about our mothers, our sisters, our daughters. Welcome, partners, and the so many liberals, progressives, and or Trump supporters, and or clueless, that were listening at least yesterday. I was very impressed. Record number of tweets and emails and comments yesterday, and I want you to know that you, not you, but, but those among us who support Trump, I'm not suggesting are without merit. And I am limiting my remark here to a very narrow point. That narrow point is you set some kind of record. Nobody can send, you know, 1,500 tweets without a single one making a reasoned criticism or argument. How many can you get that say, drink Drano and die? from people who think that's an argument. I just want to be straight. What I said yesterday was, and then this is the end of it, unless it's not. I welcome all of your tweets and phone calls and everything else again at at J-A-Y underscore S-E-V-E-R-I-N at J underscore Severin. The number here at The Blaze, 1-888-900-3393. Number one, I've supported Ted Cruz for years. Number two, as disclaimer, number two, here's the entirety of the declaration, not questions, not suppositions. Here is the entirety of the declaration I made yesterday. I reported to you at the beginning of the show something I had wondered about a couple hours before and put in my show notes. What I had wondered was, is some law enforcement authority, probably, you know, Democrat somewhere, going to try and indict or arrest Donald Trump to hold him responsible for the violence, the battery that has occurred at his rallies? Didn't say someone ought to. Didn't all I did was that that was what I wondered, and I reported to you. Here's what I wondered a couple hours ago, and now let me tell you what I just heard reported on Fox News. Legal authorities in North Carolina are investigating 
moving forward with legal action against Donald Trump for the connection, what may be a criminal connection, a prosecutable connection between his behavior at the rallies and others' behavior at the rallies, period. Now, that is a what's known in the business as a fact. That actually happened. It's a fact. And, and the fact, they may or may not prosecute him. It may or may not be true. I didn't report to you that it ought to happen. I didn't report because that's an that's an editorial. I didn't offer an editorial, and it and and it may or may not even be true. Maybe North Carolina is not looking to prosecute Donald Trump. I didn't report on that either. What I reported on was the fact. And you can look it up right now. That Fox and many other media have reported that North Carolina law enforcement is looking into prosecuting Donald Trump, period. Now, that's a fact. No matter what you make of it or think of it, that Fox reported it and that mainstream media is reporting it, even if they're wrong, I'm still right. Because all I did was report to you, this is what they're reporting. And I'm and I am impressed that many, many hundreds of people could fail to understand that. I make no bones about or don't try to hide the fact that I support Ted Cruz. I also have been reporting every day on Donald Trump because he is a phenomenon. But I make no bones about the fact that I think he I personally entitled as you are to an opinion, believe that Donald Trump, in my my impression is that he lacks the temperament, the, the appropriate temperament, to be president of the United States and commander-in-chief. That is one man's opinion. It has nothing to do with reporting to you a fact, as F4 said. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Because there are fascinating questions about whether anybody in law enforcement ought to be looking into Donald Trump or even considering legal action against him, because I don't know the answer to that. I know that it's derivative of the general principle of yelling fire in a crowded theater. I'm not saying again, listen. I'm not saying it is yelling fire in a crowded theater. I'm saying that all of the hullabaloo is derivative of the general principle. You don't need to be a lawyer to know this stuff. It just It's the general principle of whether or not someone is inciting violence. It is Al Sharpton at Freddy's Fashion Mart in Harlem saying, kill the Jew. And then they did. You know, they went burn the store down, Freddy's Fashion Mart. You know, was there a connection between Al Sharpton's encouragements to do so? And what happened? Interesting legal question. I don't have the answer for you. You know who does? The greatest living constitutional scholar, American constitutional scholar. Well, I've said it. The greatest living American constitutional scholar, Alan Dershowitz. He'll be here in an hour, 15 minutes at 4.30 Eastern Time. And we'll, we'll do something novel to some of us. We'll ask. We'll ask. And remember, you can't spell ask without ass. Welcome to a very big day in American history. That we are making together on the Blaze Radio Network, which we will further make this evening in what will be our best ever, Guru Jay Make Prediction, our best ever special Blaze After Dark show, 9 p.m. Eastern tonight through midnight. Three hours of whomping, stomping, whoop-ass of political returns, unique analysis, 
and as the doctor says, mockery. 9 to midnight Eastern tonight. This is Jay Severin Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website, powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-215-0465. That's 800-215-0465. On the Blaze Radio Network, and may I duly and quickly, and before I neglect to, credit Commander Scott Juba, a partner of this show, who yesterday contacted me and said, you know who we could really use at this point? We could really use Professor Dershowitz. We're in uncharted territory here. And so in uh, last evening, I enjoyed, and I truly, I mean, next next to, uh, and I have to mention this again, that attack spot against uh, Donald Trump, uh, I, have, I have something to say about that. And I don't, hello? Did someone, was that a cue to play Arrowhead? I, I, I okay, uh, okay, uh, I have more to say about that. But one of the things I I have to say about it is I don't want to sound like it. But let me say that next to speaking to a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model or or my wife, honey, uh, I can't believe I'm that excited, you know, to enjoy an evening of correspondence uh, with uh, with a man. But I am because he's America's greatest living uh, constitutional expert and a great guy. Who, by the way, NBC called me on my wedding night. On my on my wedding night, he called me to uh, debate. I suppose you would say. Uh, and then the other guest was the other two guests were Jesse Jackson and Mario Cuomo. Alan Dershowitz, Jesse Jackson, Mario Cuomo, and me. And so I wasn't a little bit intimidated. Okay. Back to that Trump spot. I play it for the reasons we play any remarkable political spot. It's timely. It's what people are saying about each other at that moment. This is probably the single most remarkable political spot of this campaign so far. And it's one, and is one who has made many, many hundreds of... Uh, produced, directed, and written many, many hundreds of political spots over the last 25 years uh, to run nationally and in other countries. Uh, I'm a fair judge of of talent in this regard. If that were a spot against Ted Cruz, I would say what I'm about to say now. That's a good spot. When I say good, I'm just being cold-blooded. I just mean that's effective. If it were against Ted Cruz, I mean, if you can imagine for a moment Ted Cruz would say those things about women, uh, hard supposition, I I admit. But let's pretend for a moment that Ted Cruz said those things. I would have said exactly the same thing uh, to my child bride I said last night when we, for the first time, saw it together. And we both, like, winced and said, ooh, ouch, ouch, ouch. I mean, the most effective political spot in the world, an attack spot, is one in which you exclusively employ the words of your opponent. There is, except for the end of that spot when they say, this is what Donald Trump says about our mothers, our sisters, uh, 
our wives, you know, our daughters, etc. Other than that, closing 50 seconds of that 60 second spot are verbatim quotes of a candidate. That's the most effective source in the world. The way they test spots, you may recall my sharing with you, is for information when they test them, when they market test them, when they hire focus groups, when they bring people in uh, before they are aired. They show the groups one to several spots, and then they ask them to rate each TV or radio spot on the following. Information, persuasion, like, dislike, and recall. Information, persuasion, like, dislike, and recall. I'm happy to say that on more than one occasion, I produced and directed spots that topped out in all of them and have done a lot of speaking about how you do that and, and, and how that's done. But for now, that spot is fairly devastating, and I don't play it for you strumpets out there. I don't play it because it's against Trump. I play it because it's the most remarkable political commercial of the moment right now. And in the end, it may be the thing, if Donald Trump is the nominee, it may be the thing that is the chief argument or the chief, the chief agent that prevents women who otherwise might be attracted to him from voting for him. Uh, I think it's a thing Hillary Clinton. That looks like a spot that Hillary Clinton would run next October. Doesn't it sound like that? Welcome to a very big day in American history on which we are likely to learn not who will be the nominees, but we are likely to find out who won't be the nominees. I was never good at the maths, but the maths here are pretty simple. And never forget Project 1236, because it's ours. We were first to own it, explain it, project it, and never forget Project 1236, which is the organized behind-the-scenes effort of the Republican Party leadership to deny Trump and Cruz the nomination, no matter what happens. Because that is the game. And as much as you can know anything in politics, know this. If this goes, based on what happens tonight, if this goes to an open-slash-contested-slash-brokered convention, there is no way that the Republican leadership is going to permit either Donald Trump or Ted Cruz to be the winner. But imagine the cacophony and the chaos if and when the Republican leadership deny the candidates who have probably the two biggest vote totals of delegates in fair, open Democrat elections, Democratic elections, and then try to dump them and insert their own rhino candidate. Heb. 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 Or Kasich. Kasich. Our special tonight is 9 to midnight. It will be like nothing else you find anywhere else. Already today, there's a record turnout of Democrats in crossover voting in the Republican primary in Ohio. A record number of Democrats crossing over to vote, which they're allowed to do, in Ohio. Democrats crossing over to vote in the Republican primary. What that what might that mean? It might mean that Democrats like their governor, want a chance to promote him, defend him, and so Democrats are crossing over to vote for John Kasich. They may be Kasich supporters, even though they're Democrats. It could be it could be that these voters are crossing over, these Democrats are crossing over to vote in the Republican primary 
because they don't like Donald Trump. And they want to, if nothing else, if nothing else, vote for somebody other than Donald Trump by way of uh, working against him. Number three, it could equally and frankly, more likely, more more likely means that these people like Donald Trump and that these Democrats are crossing over so they can vote for Donald Trump. Those are the three things that can mean in Ohio. We'll know in a few hours. Number two, curiosity about the enormous record early absentee ballots already cashed in in Florida. More than a million and a half. What does that mean? Support for Rubio. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners, starting with Paris. I'm going to truncate Pam's uh, tweet identity because I don't know that she wants it more than that identified. I want to thank Pam for informing me of something I did not know as I went to air, uh, lest I would have mentioned it when we went through the you know, my soliloquy there on what I said uh, yesterday in reporting to you that the media was reporting that uh, <clears throat> North Carolina might seek legal action against Donald Trump. Um, Pam, kind enough to report to us that uh, WKBW in North Carolina is reporting that Trump will not face charges. Now, you'll for, thank you, Pam, and 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 please don't be angry. If that's possible, some of you guys. When I say dot 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 in that jurisdiction, you see the the mere question that it came up as a possibility is a fascinating, a compelling legal matter. So, the particular legal jurisdiction that was contemplating this, if ever they were, are no longer, according to WKBW. But every jurisdiction in which Donald Trump has spoken, in which there has been attendant violence, and every venue in which Donald Trump will speak from now on, in which there might be attendant violence, and can I, in, as a matter of parentheses, jump down to this out of the closet in my notes? Out of the closet. 22 left-wing organizations joined together today and issued a statement saying that they are organizing together. 22 left-wing organizations are calling for full cooperation on a quote, full national mobilization against the Donald Trump campaign. I think they mean continued, because as we said from second one, and as we all know without being told, these disruptors and these disruptions against Trump when he endeavors to exercise his First Amendment rights are not an accident. They are a choreographed Saul Alinsky left-wing playbook, uh, George Soros, moveon.org, literally funded and orchestrated event. And the easiest thing to do in the world, if you've got 10 people, you can disrupt almost any event if you know how to do it. And they do know how to do it. But back to Mr. Trump. That anyone ever issued, and back to Pam's report, that any jurisdiction considered this and evidently announced it, that they were considering it. The question arises, you know, might some past or future jurisdiction try to do the same? 
the greatest living constitutional American constitutional scholar is Alan Dershowitz, and he's here in less than an hour. Okay, bear in mind, again, whatever happens tonight. Well, wait a second. This just in. We can all go home. It's over. Donald Trump has captured the delegates of the Northern Mariana U.S. Protectorate Islands. So I think we'll have to call and see if we're still doing this tonight. Uh, Meanwhile, today's five big states, the two you know about, and this audience probably knows all five, but the two that everyone seems to know about, Florida and Ohio, are joined by three others that actually exceed them, I believe, in in delegates, theoretically, and that would be Missouri, Illinois, and North Carolina. We will keep our eyes on all five. Ohio and Florida are winner-take-all. I believe the other three... I know some of them are. I'll, I'll know by the time we, we uh, by the end of this show or the end of this hour. But I think the other three are proportional. But uh, remember, there are five, not three tonight. And they are all, well, to coin a phrase, huge. Uh, Susan from the Cowboy State. Welcome back, I think. Hello? Saw Susan. Sorry. Scott from Boston. Welcome. I was going to say Scott in Boston and uh, whatever her name was from Wyoming. That's not even close, but (laughs) I'll take it. Hey, when I screw up, I screw up big. Uh, Nice to talk to you, Jay. Last I did see you at a remote in Braintree, if you could go back those years. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Wow. Yes. Wow. Those were were happy years. It was great times. Yes, they were. I, I just quick... remember one one remote where a, a local, a townie, threw a glass at me. Oh, no. Uh, and another oh. one, or a beer bottle, I forget which, and another one in which a uh, a girl had a, a, a tall glass, a tall a tall cocktail glass, like a, almost like a, like a beer glass. And it was filled with these tiny, you know, the tiny ice cubes the bars sometimes have, little yep. squares. Like uh, dice, a little smaller than dice. And uh, she came up to me and smiled and said hello. And as I was replying, she threw with the, you know, the force that she could muster. She 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 ejected, uh, stopping about an inch short of my face, the ice cubes into my eyes. Wow. And it, it cut me in several places on my face and uh, and gave me one of those like mouse eyes, like, like that bloody like eye thing. And um, the pity of it is, I never got her number. Anyway, so go ahead. <laughs> right, the, the, right. But those were good days. <laughs> yeah, they were. I remember you telling a story one time about someone approaching you or something. It was really weird. I remember hearing this. It happens. Always. But you know what? It's no, not like always it was, bad. You were concerned about your safety. It was something. It wasn't this particular story. Well, yeah. Hey, hey, when it's when it's a big hairy guy, you know, <laughs> and he's he's there like looking sideways and telling me, yeah, I just wanted to tell you, I really enjoy. Like yeah, I'm right. waiting for the shiv, you know. <laughs> so, okay, so yes, I had a question about uh, the delegates, but before I ask you that, I would like to say two quick points. And first, being I'm not surprised if Trump does not get prosecuted. I really think if he does, it's just going to garner up more support amongst the people on the fence by him. It's almost like the worse he does and the more offensive he is, the stronger he gets. It's almost, so if you're plausible. anti-Trump, I yeah. think you should want him not to get prosecuted. If you're yeah, I, 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 I have actually, not, not to diminish your point, because it's a great point, and the reason I know it's a great point is because I made it. Uh, oh, and, I did and, not uh, hear it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, we are not, we are, and Scott, we are not alone. Other people have made this point, and it's a very good point. The prospect of backlash is more plausible to me than any any other possibility. I think if you were to pro- if they any jurisdiction were to prosecute Trump th- based on anything that's happened thus far, I think that the payback or I'm sorry the 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 reward, Blowback. the premium for Donald Trump would be a hundredfold in his favor over, mm-hmm. you know, anything bad that would happen. If, I mean, well, again, we'll ask Professor Dershowitz, but it seems to me in order to prosecute him, there would have to be something truly 
gruesome that happened. And even then, you're really talking about, I think, a tenuous prosecution about, you know, okay, so something gruesome happened. Can you really tie that to Donald Trump? And that's why I'd, I don't I don't know. But but Alan Dershowitz does. So I'm but it's sure a good he point. does. Absolutely. And if I could also go down this road for a sure. minute. So obviously, there's sure. a lot of talk about the Republican nomination for obvious reasons. But what seems to me to be getting a little lost, not lost Yeah, because of Donald that. Trump. Right, exactly. And Bernie's just what percentage of people now interested in and discussing <laughs> politics would be would care at all? What ratings would the debates have? If Donald Trump weren't in this race this year, yeah, literally zero. Well, not zero, but it, yeah, but it'd be like about. Gerald Ford yeah. debating Mitt Romney, debating John Kasich. It would have all that electricity. By the way, while I was on hold, I saw on the news that Kasich has announced if he does not win his state, he will withdraw. I just saw that like three minutes ago. He also said that he, if he does not win his state, he's going to stay in the process for the purpose of hounding. Donald Trump. Well, he didn't use his name because he said today election day was not the day to use it. But he said, "I mean, I feel the obligation, having learned some of the things I've learned in the last twenty-four hours about some of the things that one particular candidate in this race has said. I'm going to stay in not the race. He didn't say, but I'm going to stay in the process, whatever that means. You know, in order to educate people." Uh, about what this one candidate is saying, but today's not the day to do that or to name him because it's election day. And and again, it depends on how you look at this, Scott, but the way I look at it is Kasich is an agent of the Republican National Committee. They want a brokered convention. Everything they want tonight is one thing. They want whatever presages or, or lubricates the likelihood of a contested, in their view, brokered convention. They want that more than a six-year-old wants Christmas to come. And they know what they're going to do with that, Scott. And they're going to install Jeb Bush or they need someone else, John Kasich. And if neither of those work out, I assure you they have a list of 10 people. Mitt Romney is on that list, uh, but that's what they have in mind. Now, I have to break soon. So can you make your second point quickly? Uh, yes, I will, actually. But my delicate question, which you can address real quick later, is what happens if uh, candidates withdraw, where do those delegates go? But one more point I want to make is no one's talking about the Hillary potential FBI indictment coming down. It's like if she had any class, she would withdraw, but we both know Clinton and um, class are not synonymous. Yeah, and if my grandmother had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. <laughs> But what is the deal? Now, I know the DOJ is run by a division of the FBI. And we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. It's what's going to happen, Scott. The real answer and the most honest answer, precise answer, truthful answer I can give you is what's going to happen is whatever Obama dictates. Right, because he appointed the head of the FBI or whatever her name is again. Yeah, Laura, yeah, no, yeah. Obama right. will determine whether or not uh, uh, what's her name over DOJ indicts. It's it's entirely up to Obama. It's an utterly political decision. And though everyone says, well, Gross. if they don't, there's going to be riots. We're, no one's going to riot. What happened to equal justice under the little. law? It's almost like a dictatorship. It's like, what do you yeah, mean Obama's yeah, going to well, decide? Good, good Where luck. do we live, Iraq good, or what? Good luck with that. However, yeah. if you could set up a, a certificate good at, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a, a department store for a free flat screen TV... Well, that's a different thing. Maybe I could get Americans excited. Thank right. you, Scott. Right back. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. You are my partners on the Blaze Radio Network. We hope you will be our partners this evening for our biggest and best election special on this, the true Super Tuesday, 9 to midnight Eastern Time this evening. Doc, Skip, me, you, Brett, the whole deal, we got it going. And, you know, if, if you... You 
you've been with us before. You know you'll get the hard facts of the returns, but analysis and mockery unavailable anywhere else. How about this? I buried my lead, kind of, and the lead flatters me. How about that? Guruje, holy cow pie. Yes, holy cow pie. Yesterday, uh, well, several weeks ago for the first time, I propounded Project 1236. Several times since, uh, via Twitter as recently as yesterday and on our show here as recently as yesterday, you may recall I said one of the biggest misunderstandings among folks who are following this election is that they they misunderstand that because everyone, as I said yesterday, even some of the, the most prominent people in media seem to not understand that all delegates are bound on the first ballot to a candidate. Not. That's what the rule is last time. They haven't made the final rules for this convention. And as I've said, they the rhinos, the leadership of the RNC, can change any and all rules any time they want. This is not widely understood or appreciated. So as recently as yesterday, uh, online and here on the show, I said, remember, 1236, and remember, the leadership could change the rules, including the first ballot rule, anytime they want. There's a national report as of midday today in the form of a letter from the senior... A rules committee member of the Republican National Committee who says, what first ballot rule? There's no first ballot rule. Republican delegates are not bound to vote for the person who won their delegate vote on the first ballot at the convention. They're free to vote from the moment they walk in the door for whomever they want. Dun, 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 dun. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. They can stop Donald Trump or Ted Cruz from being president. That starts with stopping Donald Trump or Ted Cruz from being the nominee. And that's what they hope for tonight. And remember, as reported here first, as uh, for several weeks and as recently as yesterday on the air and on Twitter, the rules of the Republican convention can be changed by these people, all of them, any of them, at any moment, for any reason. And the one that almost everyone, as I, again, said via Twitter yesterday and on the show yesterday, the one that, that, that otherwise well-informed people have misunderstood from the beginning, that they somehow thought was part of the catechism, was just part of the, you know, the, everything else is possible except this, that all the delegates must vote for their candidate, the one to whom they are bound by virtue of the election results in their respective states, they all must vote for that person on the first round. So as long as no one gets 1237, then uh, then then it's an open convention. But if someone gets 1237, well, then it's all over because the delegates are bound to their uh, their candidates and they will vote for them on the first round and they have 1237 and therefore it's all over. This is a fairy tale it has always been a fairy tale will you trust me who has made his living in this particular thing for 30 years that that's a fairy tale like i say that's what happens on television that's not what happens in campaigns the the television equivalent of campaigns is the television equivalent of medicine and law in popular primetime melodramas 
It's not how law or medicine really work, and it's not how politics really work. You know, what you see on Megyn Kelly is not how politics really works. I like Megyn, and I think the show is great, and I love the interviews, and it's all great. And it, I, I find it especially entertaining because politics is my business. But it's not really politics. When I, when I watch these talk shows, I'm like people watching the doctor shows in prime time. Or if you're a lawyer watching the lawyer shows in prime time. It's, it's a great, neat little 60-minute package, melodrama, a little fantasy, little play, a little drama that involves what they tell you is medicine or they tell you is the law. Well, it ain't. And it ain't what happens in politics. Here's what happens in politics. The bosses assure their own jobs, and they're going to do everything to assure that neither Donald Trump nor Ted Cruz win the nomination. And the, the, the whipped cream on this cupcake... This, this arsenic cookie, this awful, awful arsenic dessert with the whipped cream on top that makes you want to eat it because of the whipped cream. The insides are poison, and here's why. As reported nationally earlier today, but as stated here yesterday and via Twitter by me, is that the RNC could change the rules whenever they want or declare the rules to be whatever they say, a senior member of the Republican National Committee Standing Rules Committee, according to a national report, has sent a letter to all members of the RNC, Republican National Committee, stating, essentially, I don't know where this idea came from that delegates are pledged to their candidates on the first ballot. There is no first ballot rule. I'm to I, the senior member of the rules committee, am telling you so. There is no first ballot rule. Me mighty, I think you know what that means. I think you know what that means. It will take a few moments. Think about it. If there is no first delegate rule, if there is no rule binding delegates to vote for the candidate who won them in these primaries in Cockeye on the first ballot? What was this all for? Why did we do this? Why are we doing it tonight? Why does it matter who wins Florida, Ohio, Missouri, Illinois, North Carolina, or any other state? Well, what is this? The Miss America pageant? What, 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 if there's no first, hey, it's not up to me. I'm not a Republican. I'm certainly not a member of the Republican National Committee. It's a club. It's not a law. It's a club. It's a golf club. It can make up whatever rules it wants. No drinks on the greens. You know, I I don't care. They can make a, you don't like the rules, don't join the club. Violate the rules, get thrown out of the club. RNC is a club. Club rules say, according to the guy on the rules committee, there is no obligation of delegates to vote for their candidate, quote-unquote, on the first ballot. There is no first ballot rule that will be enforced. If that means that every single delegate that goes to Cleveland in July can do whatever they want on the first ballot... I think you know what that means. And if you don't, let me very in 30 seconds or less tell you. For these people who are delegates, and and I admire them. God bless them. This is their life. This is pretty much their social life. They are prominent people in their communities. They're empty nesters. They're mostly older people. This is very important to them. Being a delegate, being a delegate to the national convention, Heck, being a delegate to the county convention is important to them. They do that for 10 years. Then maybe they get to be a delegate to the state convention. Then they do that for 15 years. Then maybe, maybe after 25 years, they get to be a delegate from the or to the national convention. 
Well, the people who can make them not a delegate ever again is the man or woman who's going to come up to them and say, on the first ballot, this is who our contingency, our delegation from the state of Ohio, here's who we're voting for. And this order comes from the top. So no matter who you like, no matter who, quote unquote, won you in the primary, I'm telling you, here's who you vote for. Or you abstain in the first round. Whatever it is that the RNC wants to do, they will tell everyone to the newest, greenest, freshest, first-time delegate, if you want to be a delegate again, you will do the following. And I think we know what that means. Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. I don't have time to complete this return, so uh, uh, Stacy, uh, let me say to your uh, your boy the answer to his question. Stacy's son had a question: How are delegates chosen? And the answer is they are chosen. Uh, I'm pretty pretty certain about this. Delegates are chosen locally and utterly arbitrarily. That is to say, the county Republican chairman of Cobb County, Georgia, notices that someone has been particularly eager and competent at uh, volunteer work, or a much faster track is they give money. Want to be a delegate? Give money. Want to be a delegate? Be the wife or the husband of a doctor or a lawyer or someone prominent in town, a construction business, a car dealership, someone who gives money to the county and or state Republican Party or Democrat Party, doesn't matter. And you will get appointed as a delegate for the count to the county committee. And if you give enough money, you'll jump over that and you'll be appointed to the state committee. And if you give enough money, uh, or you are for some other reason prominent and you carry the the ability to get other people to give money or you're well known, you're a personality, you know, in your state or something, then you jump right over that. That's why when the California delegation always includes one of the Baldwin brothers. <laughs> yeah, it always includes great patriots like the Baldwins. Why? Because why else? How else are you going to get TMZ to cover the Republican National Convention, or in this case, the Democrat National Convention? It's like everything else. Money. You give money or you give blood, meaning you work like a slave building the pyramids for 15 years, and they reward you with being a delegate. And once you get it, that's like your social identity. That's who you are. Oh, well, you know, she's a delegate to the to the national convention. Now, and all of a sudden, among the people you know, you're a star. It's like, oh, Gladys, who are you voting for? I mean, it's like, okay, this is important. God bless them as it ought to be. I admire, I salute the people who do this. But the dark side of this is that this is the answer to the question. Delegates are chosen arbitrarily. They can be yanked out of their seat by the scruff of their collar like that if they don't do exactly what their county or state chairman tells them to do. And I got a very, I'm sorry, a very, I said don't be silly. I mean, I got a silly email from an otherwise I'm sure a very intelligent person a few moments ago stating chapter and verse to me of the rules of the Republican Party, section 222, subsection B, about the rule changes. 
my friend, I've done this for 30 years. I've, except for the last eight years, I have been to every Republican national convention and most Democrat conventions uh, credentialed by networks to cover them. But I have been there and and mostly using my credentials as a cover to spend time with my buddies, if it was the Republican National Convention. Uh, 1976 was the first one I attended. And I've been to them all except for the last couple because of my job on radio and television. Uh, they'll change any rule they want at any time. They'll gavel the convention... Uh, to a recess at 11 p.m. on a Monday night. And on Tuesday morning, when the reverend comes out to say the prayer, some flunky for Reince Priebus will come out and say, attendant to the order of the Republican National Committee Rules Committee under subsection 315.6, subsection A, paragraph B, line 3, we have amended the rule appertaining to first ballot, uh, first ballot delegate bond. Uh, such bond is now null and void. Thank you. Who's our first speaker? They can change and they will change every single rule as they like. When they like. The purpose of which changes are to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't become the nominee and to make sure that if he doesn't, Neither does Ted Cruz. This, by the way, is not only in the event that Donald Trump fails to get 1237. Donald Trump can get 1237. Donald Trump can get 1337. And they can still steal the nomination from him. Or try. And one of the questions we will have, other than the matter of this criminal business of can you be arrested or pursued criminally for something you say can it can a candidate be guilty of the equivalent of yelling fire in a crowded theater such as North Carolina was reportedly considering against Donald Trump can that is that realistic can that happen again in the future in some other jurisdiction we have that question and another question like this is there any civil remedy if a delegate was won by Ted Cruz and they go to the convention and they're really eager to vote for Ted Cruz or for Donald Trump? You know, they were won by Donald Trump and they can't wait to go vote for Donald Trump. And the county chairman comes to them and says, shut up. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to cast your ballot for John Kasich. John Kasich, he sucks. You know, you're going to cast your vote for Heb Bush. Heb Bush, he sucks worse. You know, well, well, is there some civil remedy? Can you sue somebody if you're forced to do that? Or probably not. Again, it's a club. But you know what? Why listen to me, your jailhouse lawyer, when we can listen to the greatest living American constitutional scholar? He's Harvard Law School professor emeritus, Alan Dershowitz. You know him. He's a friend of this show. And he's going to be here in about four minutes. Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. We are the Blaze Radio Network. I am Jay Severin. This is the Jaily News. You are my partners. The number one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. 
900-3393 and via via Twitter at J-A-Y underscore Severin. J-A-Y underscore Severin. Uh, have we our guest, Skip? We do. The youngest ever tenured professor of law at the Harvard Law School, advisor to countless presidents, captains of industry, heads of state, scholars, our greatest living, I don't think I need to say, in my opinion, uh, constitutional scholar, expert, author of many books, uh, the most recent, Taking the Stand, My Life in the Law, and most honored to say, my friend, Harvard Professor Emeritus of Law, Alan Dershowitz. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thank you so much for that nice introduction. You are my friend, too, and I very much enjoy being on your show. Thank you for taking the time, as ever. It's a, it's a thrill for a lot of us. And, I, and I, I'm going to find out directly who those not included are, and I'm going to contact Donald Trump about it. Uh, <laughs> professor, uh, as we corresponded last evening, there, there is, is there not a rather searing intersection right now of politics and law more than usual? And, oh, and yeah, I sure. illustrate, I, please answer in general, but my illustration, which I hope you'll address, is yesterday's nationally reported contemplation by a jurisdiction, i.e. North Carolina, of prospective criminal action versus Donald Trump in connection with uh, apparent assaults and batteries allegedly at his illegal encouragement. What is the deal here? You know, is <laughs> you is this derivative of fire in a crowded theater? Where do we? What does the law say on this? It's so interesting. About ten years ago, I was in a bookstore in Manhattan, and the owner of the bookstore said to me, "I know you're interested in collecting letters. We just got a letter uh, that was written by Thomas Jefferson in 1800 and had been in the same family for 200 and something years." Are you interested in seeing it? And I looked at it, and I not only saw it and bought it, but wrote a book about it called Finding Jefferson. And the theme of the letter is a question that's asked Jefferson. He's president. It's 1800. It's the 25th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. He's sitting in a study in the White House. And the question is, what happens if a minister preaches and incites violence? Can the minister be indicted for violence? And Jefferson writes this brilliant letter saying absolutely not. We go after the people who commit the violence. We protect freedom of speech. Uh, we don't go after the person who makes the speech, because to do so would suppress freedom of speech. We can't leave it to the morality of judges and jurors, because they might be biased against the speaker. The Constitution protects this kind of speech. This is Thomas Jefferson in 1800, and we still are not convinced that the speaker has to be allowed to speak. If you don't like what he's saying, then don't vote for him. I'm not going to vote for him. Uh, I don't like what he's saying, but you defend his right to express his views. And the real villains here, I have to tell you, are the disruptors. And this is part and parcel of a hard left tactic that's been going on now for years. Organizations like Move On, Black Lives Matter, Students for Justice for Palestine, Code Pink, all have as part of their philosophy to prevent speakers from speaking who they disagree with. How do I know this? They've done it to me. Every time I try to make a speech in favor of Israel, even a moderate two-state solution, middle-of-the-road speech, these groups and others try to disrupt me. They disrupted the ambassador from Israel to the United States, Michael Oren. They disrupted a professor named Talbotal. They disrupt over and over again. It's part of their tactic. They don't believe in freedom of speech for people they disagree with. And I have to tell you, some of the criticism for this belongs on the head of Senator Sanders, because he has not distanced himself from these radical left censorial organizations. He has welcomed their support. Everybody has been focusing on Trump correctly for not distancing himself from some right-wing extremist organizations. I want to see Senator Sanders distance himself from these left-wing, disruptive, censorial, Stalinist organizations that do not believe in free speech. Professor Dershowitz, where comes the clash between speaker and disruptor? In law is the shield. 
it's a very difficult line to draw, but you're allowed to boo occasionally. I've had cases like this. I've taken cases like this to the courts. I've had cases like this over and over again. It started at a, with a professor from Stanford University named Bruce Franklin, who was uh, charged with disrupting uh, speakers during the Vietnam War. And the rule is that you can sporadically boo, but you cannot have sustained noise designed to prevent the speaker from completing his speech. That is, you can express your negative views, depending on the context, of course. In, in the church, you can't do that. In a classroom, you can't do that. If a minister is preaching in the church and a, a man gets up and says, God is dead, you can throw him out, obviously. The, that's not the, that's the, the manner and time uh, uh, limitations. Uh, you can't express your views in a private church in that way. But if you're at a political rally, you can. You can call Trump a racist. You can call uh, Sanders a communist. You can say whatever you want. But you cannot prevent him from completing the speech. Now, Move On and Black Lives Matter and these other organizations had as their goal to stop Donald Trump from speaking. They said it. They're on video expressing that point of view, and they succeeded. And they are the ones that should have been uh, prosecuted, not the speaker. Professor, what are... Tell us what are fighting words and whether they have yet or could plausibly apply in this circumstance. The Supreme Court has basically eliminated the concept of fighting words. Fighting words was designed for if I walk over to you and say your mother was a, you know, whatever, right. and you then punch me in the mouth, uh, those are fighting words. But you can't say that a political speaker is engaged in fighting words just because you don't agree with them, just because you fight doesn't mean it's fighting words. If I say, I actually had in mind, democracy. pardon me, I actually had in mind the disruptors because one yeah. of the things Donald <clears throat> Trump has claimed is that you you've got a young, a big young man screaming the f bomb in in a mother who is holding, you know, again hypo, you know, a mother holding an eighteen month old in her arms yeah. and holding on to a four year old, and he's screaming the f bomb in her face. Is there yeah, any line here? No, it's a harder case if he's a 12-year-old who could actually understand the F-bomb. Okay. But okay. <clears throat> even a young person, no, the F-bomb is not a fighting word. Um, uh, the Supreme Court has held that you can use the F-bomb even in a court. Somebody walked into a courtroom during the Vietnam period uh, wearing an F-draft shirt, and he was prosecuted. And the Supreme Court, in an opinion by Justice Harlan, a very conservative uh, uh, Brahmin uh, uh, mm -hmm. justice, said one man's lyric is another man's obscenity and you know we have, look the jefferson <laughs> you remember the jefferson, you remember abby right. hoffman during of chicago yeah. where he stenciled <laughs> on his forehead <laughs> of course and remember that the 1800 election between really three people it turns out adams and jefferson and then burr got into the act was much more raucous than this election <clears throat> jefferson <clears throat> arranged for a man named calendar to write the most outrageous things about Adams. And it caused a breach in the relationship, personal relationship, between Jefferson and Adams' wife. It was one of the worst elections uh, ever. And we've had elections like that over the years. Uh, you have to protect the speaker. And the role of the police is to make sure the speaker, whether he's David Duke or whether he is uh, somebody on the extreme left, no matter how anti-Semitic, how racist, you have to protect the speaker. And, you know, David Gergen the other day on television said, well, you can't purposely walk into an area like Chicago knowing that you're going to say things that will provoke. Does he not remember Martin Luther King? Martin Luther right. King purposely picked areas to walk into, which were white racist areas, in order to provoke them to show the world how much racism there was. And the Nazis who marched through Skokie purposely picked yes. a neighborhood that was Holocaust survivors. And I defended their right to march through Skokie. I hated what they were doing, and I hope they slipped on a banana peel and killed themselves. <laughs> I'm not on their side. But in terms of the law, uh, the law has to protect the speaker. That's what Jefferson said in 1800. That's what the framers of the First Amendment said in 1793. And that's what we have to maintain today, whether it's Donald Trump or, or Bernie Sanders or anyone else. Alan Dershowitz is our guest. Professor, uh, just I want to try to nail this down a little bit more before we, we 
move move on to a related area. In terms of the disruptors, given the difference, which we laymen know little of, between assault and battery, using it mm-hmm. interchangeably, as we mistakenly do, back yeah. to our hypothetical of the great big young man screaming an inch away, not touching, but screaming right. at this mother with a couple of kids yeah. in tow. Is there a line at which assault kicks in because she is in fear of her well-being? Yeah, I mean, you could make that argument. If she's if, if he's talking to her face in an assaultive way, um, I was once at a Boston Celtics game, and there was a guy two or three rows behind me. It was during the O.J. Simpson case when I was not the most popular person on the face of the earth. <laughs> and there was a guy two or three rows.